During the APEC summit, senior Biden officials gave a grand tour of a top-secret nuclear facility to Chinese and Russian diplomats. You cannot make this stuff up. They literally took our most dangerous enemies into a nuclear facility. This was the energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm. Imagine if this were Trump. Or imagine if this were one of Trump's cabinet officials. They'd literally be sitting in Guantanamo Bay as we speak. It's insanity. The Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, gave a tour of top secret facilities, nuclear facilities, to senior Russian and Chinese officials. The National Nuclear Security Administration site in Nevada. This is a critical U.S. national security location where sensitive nuclear experiments are conducted. This is treasonous, okay? GOP conference chair, Elise Stefanik, a Republican out of New York. She sent a letter to the Biden administration criticizing them for allowing foreign enemies to visit nuclear testing sites, which could potentially lead to our own annihilation. Here's a quote from the letter, quote, inviting communist China and Russia to have a front row seat for our sensitive nuclear weapons tests will give them invaluable information to defeat our nuclear capabilities and improve their own at a time when our adversaries are growing their nuclear stockpiles to undermine America's leadership. Allowing them access to one of our nuclear test sites will only advance this pursuit and lead to our own destruction, end quote. And yeah, even if it's not a time when they're which they are. They're mocking us and they're getting ahead and they're taking advantage, exploiting our immense weakness in the White House. But even if they were not proliferating the nuclear stockpiles, it's still not a good idea. All right. We've got a bunch of new polls to tell you about. And look, I know I'm like, you know, sounding like a little bit tongue in cheek here, but I'm really not. This is really terrifying. And it's like, first of all, why did the Chinese officials even need to tour these sites? Didn't they already get all the information that they needed from the that, that balloon, the spy balloon that was in the air for days and days, uh, c- c- collecting all of our nuclear secrets? I'm sure it was over this this facility in Nevada, but this is really, really just un. Fathomable. All right, a bunch of new polls to tell you about. They mostly show Trump essentially crushing everyone else, Republicans, Democrats, you name it. Stunning new polls. And look, when I report these polls, I don't have any kind of bias or any kind of slant. People think I keep reporting these polls that show Trump winning. And, you know, I'm a little getting a little sick of winning, you know, but um, the, the people think I'm like endorsing Trump here. All I'm doing is I'm sharing the facts. I'm sharing the polls. And I'm not saying that I'm not supporting Trump here, but I, that's not the issue. It, it's like when I it's like I, I don't choose which polls. It's not like I'm picking and choosing and saying, all right, I'm only going to choose the polls that are pro Trump. I report every poll that I find, whether I like the results, whether I don't like the results. They happen to mostly all be heading in one direction. That's not because of me. That's just because that's where the poll numbers are going. In addition, virtually every Republican candidate is defeating Biden. You got Trump crushing DeSantis in Florida. That's pretty big. And look, we're going to keep seeing polls that show Biden tanking because the media is trying frantically to pressure Biden to drop out. Meanwhile, President Trump unloaded on the judge in his fraud trial, Judge Arthur Angoran, and on AG Letitia James, who, of course, has made Trump her target. And this happened, Trump, after this gag order was lifted, Trump put out this long, long post on Truth Social slamming the judge and Letitia James, who are literally just they're out for blood. They're out to get him. But here's what's interesting is there was a gag order for weeks. So Trump did not discuss this trial for weeks, did not mention the judge, did not mention Letitia James. But hours after the gag order was lifted, only then did Trump decide to unload. I mean, to really, really go after them. And here's what this proves to me. I'll read you some of the quote here from the Truth Social post. 
But, you know, Trump is not as unhinged. He's not as out of control as everybody likes to think. Trump is a much more calculated and strategic person than people give him credit for. And this proves it because think about this, right? Trump is supposed to be a lunatic, a loose cannon, right? He has zero self-restraint, right? He just, he goes unhinged. He flies off the handle. He just says all sorts of horrible things, even about people he used to like and all of that. So here's my question. Why was he able to show, if he's just a man who they, they like to make it like he's mentally ill, oh, this man, he could press, you know, he has his finger on the nuclear button. He could just shoot it off at any second. Number one, he was president for four years, okay? They, they said he was going to wage World War III with Kim Jong-un, with North Korea, with China, and all of that. And, and it was the most peaceful presidency we've had in this country in the last 80 years, okay? Not a single war under Trump's watch. The only time in modern history. And he had his finger on the nuclear button, okay? He could have done anything he wanted to anybody. So, but putting that aside, right, they say, well, he just fires off these tweets and these truths and he's just, you know, he's out of control. He's out of control. If he's out of control, why is it that during the gag order for all those weeks when he would have been held in contempt and would have had major consequences, he somehow managed to be in control? If somebody's really out of control, a gag order doesn't magically enable them to have self-restraint. So what this shows is that Trump, he waited, he waited it out. He was in total control, had total restraint, and only now the gag order is lifted. And just literally within a few hours, it shows you he must have been so desperate, right? He must have been holding back. It must have been like chomping at the bit, but he still waited and chose restraint. So what I think is Trump, as I've said before, he knows exactly how far he can go. <clears throat> He's very calculated, very strategic. He has much more restraint than any and discipline than anybody gives him credit for. He does not cross the line, but yes, he goes very, very far. But he knows when to stop. And I think, as usual, he's pretty underrated in that sense. So Trump called out what he called the ridiculous and unconstitutional gag order. An appeals court lifted the order. The, the, the gag order was imposed by the judge himself, this Engoron, in the case. Quote, Judge Arthur Engoron has just been overturned by the New York State Appellate Division Appeals Court. For the fourth time on the same case, his ridiculous and unconstitutional gag order not allowing me to defend myself against him and his politically biased, out-of-control, Trump-hating clerk who was sinking him. I mean, Trump is just magical. He just has such a way with words. Who was sinking him and his court to new levels of low is a disgrace. They are defending the worst and least respected attorney general in the U.S., Letitia James, who is a worldwide disgrace, as is her illegal witch hunt against me. The radical and unprecedented actions of Judge Angoran will keep businesses and jobs forever out of New York State. I've done nothing wrong. My numbers were low, not high. I have a complete disclaimer clause. Their star witness admitted he lied and made up this fake case against me and the AG used a Get Trump platform to run for AG and for governor. She failed, exclamation point, in her running for governor. The wicked attack on democracy must be ended now. All right. Meanwhile, Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, is going to release all the January 6th footage to the public. This is something McCarthy promised to do, pledged he was going to do. And then, of course, he backtracked. He released a few hours to Tucker Carlson, and that was it. This is not some of the footage. This is all of the footage. This is not going to be released only to a television host like Tucker. This is going to be released to everyone, to the entire public. Mike Johnson says he will fulfill. He made this promise. McCarthy made the promise. Now, Mike Johnson, when he was campaigning for speaker, he promised the conservative wing of the party that he would release all the footage to the public and he is going to fulfill that promise within the coming days and weeks. Quote, here's a quote from Mike Johnson. This decision will provide millions of Americans, criminal defendants, public interest organizations and the media an ability to see for themselves what happened that day, rather than having to rely upon the interpretation of a, of a small group of government officials. 
end quote, the first batch of security footage, which is about 90 hours, that will be released on a website on Friday, this coming Friday, and the remaining 44,000 hours will be posted over the next several months, and in the meantime, there is a public viewing room that's going to be set up in the Capitol for viewing the footage. I guess that's open to the public. Can I just walk in there and just view it whenever I want? I don't know. We'll have to see. Probably have to make an appointment or something, but uh, it does sound like he's pretty serious. Welcome to the Yakovem Show on the VIN podcast, Yeshiva International, Nucky Radio, other podcasting platforms. Send us an email. We get, we do get emails and we do respond to a lot of those emails, but I have been getting more and more emails from listeners, people with their feedback, with questions, with thoughts, with, with, with criticism sometimes. And I appreciate all of that. Uh, Josh at VINnews.com. Josh at VINnews.com. Now on that note with Mike Johnson. Here's what I'm thinking. Number one, this announcement, no coincidence, right when the bill was passed to uh, keep the government open and it's a spending package, a continuing resolution, a stopgap measure, and it doesn't cut spending at all. And, uh, you know, we know the conservatives have supported Johnson. He had a private meeting with them the other day. And now this announcement about the about the January 6th footage, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think what he's doing is he's telling the conservatives, I'm not Kevin McCarthy. I'm going to keep my promises. I'm going to do what I say. I'm going to keep conservatives happy. And, and and here's the proof. I'm starting to release the footage, January 6th footage ASAP, like I promised, which McCarthy did not do. And by the way, I think the next step is that he's going to cut spending. So it was like we told you, they, they didn't pass a years-long budget, okay? It's not like they passed the budget for the year. They passed a stopgap measure. I know that's what McCarthy did, too. But, you know, McCarthy, again, had months and months to do deal with it. He, he did not. Uh, Mike Johnson had two weeks. So I think Johnson told the conservatives, give me a chance here. I haven't been in this position very long. I, we have to, you know, let, let's pass the continuing resolution. It'll get us through to January, get us through the end of the year. And then I'm going to cut spending. Then I'm going to fight. Then I'm going to push. Then I'll, And then maybe he'll shut down the government if needed. But I think he just bought some time here. He said, listen, I can do this, but I can't do this in two weeks. Okay. This just, this thing fell into my lap. I need more time. So let's pass the stopgap. I'll release the January 6th footage. You know, hopefully they impeach Biden or, you know, at least move forward on advancing on an impeachment of Biden. Hunter Biden's supposed to testify. By the way, he's been subpoenaed. We'll get to that in a, in a little bit later. And Mike Johnson said, I'm going to cut spending. I'm going to fulfill what you guys want me to fulfill, but I give me a little more time. Let's pass this bill release the footage, and then we'll see what happens. That's my thought. I don't know. We'll keep an eye. But, like, I feel like we have to give him a few weeks, a few months, because he can and will maybe, maybe get this done. Cautiously optimistic, or maybe I'm cautiously pessimistic. All right, meanwhile, President Biden will not face charges for mishandling classified documents. What a shock. I mean, just brace yourself. Have a seat here. Biden is not going to face any charges. He's going to be exonerated for mishandling class. I mean, he had classified documents everywhere you could find a Biden office, including at places that were accessible to China. Okay, now they're giving China a tour of our nuclear facility, but like Biden and China, they're buddies. Okay, and we'll get a little bit later to the meeting with Biden and President Xi of China, which is just a total, it's a joke. It was just a joke. Um, meanwhile, you have Trump literally being charged. One of the four lawsuits for trials that Trump is on. One of them is 35 bogus counts in the classified documents, uh, you know, Mar-a-Lago case. But Biden's exonerated. But we're supposed to believe there is no two-tiered system of justice. And the big question is, you know, here's what's incredible is the Biden documents were sitting there for years long before he became president. Okay, he left the office of VP. He had these classified documents with him, put them in office, sprinkled them in offices everywhere, had them in the garage of the Corvette. 
And so here's the question. Why suddenly uh, last year did Biden's lawyers, they were looking for them and they found them in the the Penn Biden Center in Biden's office in Washington, D.C. Why did the lawyers suddenly go looking for classified documents? Why was it leaked to the media? Okay, and the answer is very clear to me. And And he's being exonerated. Right. So it was all designed to force Biden, to pressure Biden to resign. They're looking for dirt on by the Democrats, his own people. Uh, who I guarantee you are being orchestrated by Obama. They're looking for scandals. They want to force Biden out. Okay, so again, China had access to the Biden, the office being used at the Penn Biden Center, which is where they find found the bulk of the classified documents. Remember the garage with the vintage Corvette. Hunter Biden had access. He was in the house alone with the Corvette and with the classified documents there. Hunter Biden, we know, has been given millions and millions of dollars by China. Yet another trove of classified documents in Chinatown in Washington, D.C., amazingly. And here are the differences, okay? Why, did, why is what Biden did so much worse than what Trump did? There are key differences between the Biden documents and the Trump documents. Number one, Trump was president. He was allowed to declassify any document that he wanted. So you can make the case, very strong case, that just by leaving the White House with the documents, That is an act of declassification. Biden was vice president, had no authority to declassify. The Trump documents were in one secure location. I understand that they weren't in a government location, but they were in one place in Mar-a-Lago. They were safe. Biden, they were like sprinkled. Basically, any office, any space in the Northeast, somewhere, every state you 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 could find, they kept finding. Remember, they found like six different batches of Biden classified documents anywhere they looked in unsecure locations, including his garage of his private home. And remember, the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago, but and, and they gave the Trump team a very hard time with Biden. They trusted the Biden's the Biden, President Biden's own lawyers. So Biden's legal team, they said, listen, FBI, there's no need for you guys to come in here and inspect yourself. We'll do it. We'll do it for you. You can trust us. They use the honor system. So you literally had Biden's own lawyers sifting through the documents and uh, alerting the FBI when they found something that was problematic. OK, which is insane. Meanwhile, Biden covered it up for many, many weeks. By the way, the Biden, the White House, they continue to cover up this scandal. We have not seen the classified documents. At this point, all of the Trump classified documents, remember the FBI, they took all the pictures and they released all the pictures to the public. And uh, the, the Biden documents, we, we don't know what is in them. And remember, the Biden White House, they kept lying about it. OK, first, they didn't even announce it. And then it was leaked to the media. And again, I believe that was done by Biden's own people because they're trying to shove him out by the Democrats. And uh, the White House, even then, they kept covering it up. They kept lying about it. Uh, you know, hush, hush, and, uh, and and kept saying that was it. No more documents. They kept finding more and more documents, and they only admitted to it because they had no choice, because it was leaked to the media, and then they can still still continue to cover it up for many, many weeks. Yet Biden's not charged. Very convenient. He's a Democrat, after all, so we know that he's not going to get charged. The fix is in. And what's incredible is, the, you know, what I keep hearing is, well, what's the issue with Trump is that Trump did not cooperate with investigators, the Trump team, they stonewalled. Remember, Trump told them to hide it in the bathroom. And, you know, he he, he told his lawyers uh, whatever he allegedly we don't even know what to believe because they make a lot of this stuff up. But let's even assume that Trump told his team, the butler and whoever else is in Mar-a-Lago, he hid things in the bathroom, in the closet, whatever. Listen, can you blame Trump? Let's assume that it's true. And I don't believe anything because they make things up about Trump all the time. But can you blame Trump for not cooperating with federal investigators after everything that this man has been through? He has been targeted again and again. 
with bogus allegations from the Steele dossier, which was paid for by Hillary's campaign. And ever since the Russia hoax, the two bogus impeachments, January 6th, I mean, they are the KGB and all they do, they are literally out. They they, they treat Trump like a dissident. Okay, they do everything they can to come up with, to manufacture crimes. So can you blame him for not cooperating with federal investigators? He has to be insane to cooperate with federal investigators. And Biden did not cooperate. And of course, he gets exonerated because he's Biden. All right, I wanted to mention this. You know, last week, CNN was, we know that now the government shutdown has been averted. So you will have access to national parks. No need to worry about that. But last week, CNN, when there was still a chance of a shutdown, they were reporting on the possibility. And here's what they said. They said, you know, the shutdown, if it takes place, they, disclaimer, they said, we're not saying it's certainly going to happen, but it might happen, right? The fear mongering, right? The countdown clock and everything. So CNN, I don't know if CNN is counting clock, MSNBC, I'm sure CNN also does. But uh, they said it, it's going to be exacerbated by the holiday weekend. They said with Thanksgiving, with the holiday coming, there's a holiday weekend, so this shutdown is going to be so much worse because it's going to mess up air travel and it's just going to be such a nightmare and disastrous. And again, what they're doing is they're trying to make everybody really scared and they're trying to make it that the Republicans are evil because look, look at the timing. You want to shut down the government, that's bad enough, but look, you're doing it right before this long weekend. People are on vacation. And here's the question. The question is, you know, you know, so did, did, when, when they passed the stopgap measure, right? When Kevin McCarthy, several weeks ago, passed the continuing resolution that kept the government open. Okay, they know when it's going to run out. They have a date when it's going to run out. That date was supposed to be, I guess, November 17th, November 18th, right? Right before, a few days before this long weekend, right? So did they not realize, which and which is worse? If they did not realize, that means they didn't even look at the calendar. You don't even want to take a look. Hey, wait a second. When, you know, when is this shutdown supposed to happen? And is there anything important going on that weekend, Right. So my point is, one of two options over here, either they time it that way. So CNN is going and acting like, wow, having a meltdown. Oh, wow, look at this. They're going to shut down the government, and it's right before. I mean, that is just terrible, terrible timing. And don't you understand? That timing came from McCarthy and from the people who passed, and the Democrats who agreed to it and passed the stopgap resolution and Biden uh, two months ago, or whenever it was, about a month and a half, two months ago. So... One of two options, either they realized when it was going to expire and they realized it was going to happen right before a long weekend or they didn't even bother looking at a calendar, which is just beyond incompetent. I mean, it's just just completely negligent. And the answer is, of course, they realized, of course, they knew exactly when it was going to happen. That's all part of the fix. That's they rig it. Right. That's all part of the rigging. That's all part of the plan is, well, you know, we want to make sure that it expires right before a very crucial time when CNN and the media can have a meltdown and blame Republicans and say, look at this. They're they're shutting down the government. And it's right before a long weekend, a travel weekend. when Everybody's going on vacation. They time it that way. Of course, that's all part of the plan, part of the strategy, because now that puts even more pressure. We have to we have to pass a a, a new spending package. We have to do it because otherwise we're evil. The other option is they're so incompetent that like they didn't like if I if I'm making a dentist appointment, I'm checking the calendar to see if like there's a vacation weekend coming up anytime soon. You know, anytime you do anything. But like they're they're literally they literally have the federal government passing a budget extension that's going to. Then the the, the 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 government the new government shutdown date is going to be based on this, but you don't ever bother to check the calendar to see. Hey, wait a second, maybe there's an important uh, holiday weekend, vacation weekend here. That, but they do it. This is all. It's all by design. It's all intentional. No coincidences here. Uh, Ronald Lauder, Jewish businessman, 
Uh, he put out a tweet saying, quote, I have never seen a president of the United States be as strong for the Jewish people as President Biden. Support for Israel and the Jewish people has been bipartisan. The majority of both parties support aid for Israel. Frankly, it's the first bipartisan agreement we've seen in a long time, end quote. So this is just disgraceful to me because to say that Biden is the he's never seen a president uh, be as strong for the Jewish people as Biden. I mean, it's just disgraceful. Biden would not even speak to Netanyahu until this horrific, horrific tragedy took place, until this horrific attack. Biden has been no friend of Israel for the last few years. He really put a tremendous amount of pressure on Israel, you know, and, and giving hundreds of millions, literally being complicit, giving billions to Iran, which helped fund this attack, giving hundreds of millions to the PA, Palestinian Authority, Mahmoud Abbas, for the pay-to-slave program after Trump defunded the Palestinians. And then to go and claim, and look, I understand that Biden has said a lot of good things, but what about his actions? Okay, they're supposed to be funding Israel. They're not funding Israel. The only people who have passed funding, and I know he politicized, you're going to tell me about the IRS and he didn't include Ukraine, whatever. The only people who have passed funding for Israel to this point uh, is Mike Johnson and the Republicans, and that has been totally shot down by Chuck Schumer and the Democrats in the Senate, and Biden uh, promised, pledged to veto it. Okay, so that shows you how much that they care about funding Israel. Well, it's politics, it's Mike Johnson, it's... Look, Biden is disgraceful. Uh, Chuck Schumer is disgraceful getting up at the rally and talking about how he supports funding for Israel and, uh, so, you know, pledges his support for Israel. And then that night he shoots down a funding bill on the table. All he has to do is pass it and then Biden signs it and boom, you're sending $14 billion to Israel. But, 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 but Ronald Lauder has never seen a president as strong for Israel. What has Biden done so far? He's done literally nothing. They sent them a bunch of weapons and he's pressured them to, you know, to, to, to impose a ceasefire and to impose a humanitarian pause. Uh, all right. The migrant crisis. You, you, you're not going to believe this. New York City is spending billions and billions of dollars on illegals, as we know. Okay. The migrant crisis in New York City is out of control, costing New York City billions. Well, now Mayor Eric Adams is slashing the budget of the NYPD in order to pay for the migrant crisis, they are slashing the budget of the police department of the NYPD, which is egregious. New York City is making massive budget cuts. They're cutting a few things, but the main target is the NYPD. They're making $4 billion worth of cuts, largely to the police force, in order to cover the cost of all the illegals in New York City. So think about this. All these illegals in New York City, they're causing a surge in crime in addition to a lot of other problems. And uh, you got got the woke policies, the pro-criminal policies, so obviously that's a big deal in Alvin Bragg. But the illegals are certainly increasing the crime. And now, in response, the city's going to cut the police force because they need the money to pay for the migrants, for all these migrant programs in the sanctuary city. I mean, the Roosevelt Hotel, they're putting these people up in hotels, hot meals and uh, schooling and health care and everything else. It's insane. So Adams announced $4 billion in budget cuts over the next 18 months. And he says the primary cause is the migrant crisis. They are canceling new hiring for police officers. Literally, the police force, for the first time in decades, the police force is going to be below 30,000 in New York City. Okay, and they're postponing the next five police academy classes. And they're making a $1 billion reduction in the education budget in New York City, which is that, that to me, that money is wasted anyway, the education money. And they're going to close libraries on Sundays. Adams described the budget reduction as the most painful exercise of his professional career. Give me a break. The city has had an influx, an invasion of 142,000 migrants, a.k.a. illegals, just since last spring. Meanwhile, Governor Hochul, another disgrace, Governor Hochul signed into law the Clean Slate Act. And this is just sickening. 
This is going to clear the criminal records of most convicts after they get out of jail, including highly dangerous criminals. And now their uh, their past record, their criminal records, will not show up on background checks. So when when employers want to hire an employee, when landlords want to allow a tenant, want to rent something to a tenant, they're not, and they run background checks, they will not see their past convictions. People they hire, people they rent to. So once again, Governor Hochul, Governor Wokel, is helping criminals at the expense of innocent people, at the expense of innocent citizens, victims, landlords, employers. Hochul is coming down on the side of criminals. It, it is misplaced compassion. They call it compassion. It is not compassion. It is, it is the opposite of compassion. You are hurting people. You're hurting the good guys. You're having compassion for the bad people which all that does is just crush the good people. So New York's clean slate legislation will automatically seal most criminal records three years after they serve time or parole for a misdemeanor and eight years for felony convictions for most Class A felonies. Uh, uh, No, I'm sorry. Most Class A felonies, such as kidnapping or terrorism, will not be eligible for the um, the clean slate, okay? But everybody else will. So somebody can commit armed robbery, drunk driving, Domestic abuse, you know, all sorts of just vicious, vicious crimes. And I'm not sure. I, I would, I would think even drug dealers will have it cleared from their record. So what's going to allow is that, number one, it's going to attract criminals to New York State because if there are criminals in other states who have the criminal record on their background check, well, they're going to come to New York and no problem, their background check will get cleared. So it's literally a magnet inviting criminals. Hey, come to New York State as if they don't already have enough of that. So it's going to make it things more dangerous. Number two, criminals can blend into society instead of being banished and outcast like they should. So that's going to make them even more dangerous. And a caller made the point. Caller left me a message about this the other day uh, saying this is actually going to hurt minorities. So Hochul's a hypocrite because she claims to care about minorities. This is going to hurt minorities. Why? Because the fact is people are going to avoid hiring minorities and, you know, because they're going to be worried since the background check doesn't tell you what you need to know. People there are people out there who are going to look at minorities and say, oh, you know what? This person is more likely to be a criminal than somebody who's white. Now, you can disagree. You could say that's a terrible racist mentality, bigoted mentality. That's a fact. The fact is there are employers and there are landlords who are going to say, you know what? I can't do a background. Check. I can rely on a background check because they because they wipe clean the the, ex, the the past convictions. So I'm just going to avoid minorities altogether. Great point. That's going to hurt everybody. Now, here's what Hochul said, quote, they've paid their debt to society, they did their time, but when they re-enter society, there are still barriers to housing and jobs. I say no more. We're here today to correct that injustice, end quote. Melinda Agnew is a resident of Syracuse. She was sentenced to three years probation for an assault charge more than 20 years ago and is still dealing with the repercussions. She says that she has been shunned throughout the years from affordable housing rejected from several housing programs, denied job promotions because of her criminal record. She said, quote, people have to stop thinking of those with records as permanent outcasts. I know countless others in my position who want to live healthy and stable lives, but are locked out of employment and housing due to their criminal records, end quote. And now this new law is like a dream come true. I have a thought. Here's my suggestion. Here's an idea. Don't commit the crime. Don't commit the crime. Don't get convicted. Don't go to jail or don't serve probation or whatever. And then you have you'll have a clean record because you won't have a criminal record because you didn't commit the crime. Instead, you committed the crime. Yeah, you come to regret it later on. But guess what? You could have avoided this by not committing the crime. And nobody forced you to commit the crime. In New York City, nearly 
80% of people with criminal conviction records are black or Latino. This is a quote from, I think, an AP story. New York City, nearly 400,000 or 80% of people with criminal conviction records are either black or Latino. Uh, business groups, including Microsoft and J.P. Morgan Chase, lauded the bill. They say an increase in the labor pool will make the state's economy more competitive uh, amid a national labor shortage. Now, hang on one second over here. So Microsoft is happy about this bill being passed because now we can hire, we're increasing the labor pool, we're going to hire more employees. J.P. Morgan Chase is happy about this because there's a shortage, there's an employee shortage, so now we'll be able to hire, one second, one second. Nobody was telling you you could not hire ex-convicts. This makes no sense whatsoever. They're lording lording the bill because they're woke leftist uh, corporations. But what, what, what on earth? You're telling me that somehow now you're going to be able to hire more employees you did the back. You ran the background checks, right? Well, if somebody had a criminal record, were you hiring them or not? You could hire them. There you go. There's an employee shortage. Hire the people with a criminal record. I guess you were not hiring the people with a criminal record. So now, what? What changed? Now you don't know. They still have a criminal record, but you don't know. So now you're going to hire them. If you if if you were desperate to hire criminals, then you could have hired criminals before this law was passed. So what are you talking about? This is going to help the employee shortage. In fact, you had a bigger pool. This is actually going to make your pool smaller. Because think about this. Plenty of companies out there would not hire people with past criminal records, right? With criminal convictions on the, on the background check. So you guys, who you obviously want to hire criminals, you could have hired more criminals who were rejected from other jobs. Now nobody's going to know they were criminals. So now this is actually going to make the pool smaller for your company because other people are going to hire criminals unknowingly. It, it makes zero sense. But, of course, they put out a statement in favor of this Woke leftist pro-criminal legislation. All right, should we mention, I guess we'll talk about it just for a moment, Avi Schnall in, uh, in Lakewood. We, of course, brought this up already last week, how, of course, he won the election for the, the New Jersey, I guess, the New Jersey State Assembly uh, in Lakewood. And, you know, of course, the Rabbanim, they, uh, they endorsed Avi Schnall unanimously. And, uh, you know, he's somebody from within the community. He's done an awful lot. And, you know, a caller pointed out, one of the questions, and of course, as we said, great move. That's a very, very exciting, uh, you know, big, big, big victory. Victory not just for Avi Schnall. Well, I don't know Avi Schnall, you know, very well, but everything I've read, I've, I've seen, I've been following him for a long time and the things that he's accomplished. And, you know, he just, he seems like a really, really, you know, amazing and capable person. So I think this is huge, this, this victory. And, uh, you know, caller pointed out, I guess one of the, questionable or one of the issues that I guess was on people's minds. Again, the Rabbanim were unanimous. So there's nothing here to discuss. And obviously we support the candidate that's chosen by the Rabbanim. So I just want to make that very, very clear. And that's not even a question. That's not up for debate. So like that, that's not even remotely something which we would think twice about. So I just want to be very, very clear on that. But it was more like one of the issues that was raised that the Rabbanim decided on unanimously is tuition. And, you know, Avi Schnall is going to push very hard and has pushed and is going to continue to push along with the Aguda in New Jersey for, uh, you know, tuition assistance, basically for a voucher program or for the New Jersey government to kick in tuition to the yeshivas. So the, the yeshivas should actually be able to get tax dollars used towards yeshiva tuitions. And I guess there was some kind of concern 
which is a valid concern, of course, that, you know, the more the government has its hands in the pot, the more the government uh, supplies uh, funding to yeshivas and to Jewish institutions that could potentially lead to them regulating in a similar situation you have in New York State, where they try persecuting the yeshivas and try imposing secular education guidelines and all of that stuff. Obviously, they're abundant decided, listen, it's worth it. The tuition crisis is very, very troublesome. People are struggling like crazy. So the more money we can get to the yeshivas, the better. And, uh, you know, when the government, I, you know, I would tend to think when the government wants to, there's, there's already so many different subsidies and so many different programs. The government has a lot of control if they want to, you know, and, and that could be scary. And that's what's happening in New York and all of that. But this is not going to make a break. That's what I would imagine. I have no idea. I know inside knowledge. I want to be very, very clear here. That's what I would imagine is the calculation is the thought process here. But either way, that was one of the issues that was brought up in terms of is it a good idea to be pushing for tuition? And obviously, hands down, the consensus of the Rabbanim is, as far as I understand it, again, this is my understanding, is that, yes, the more government money we can get for tuition, the better off they are. For for what it's worth, who am I to even express my opinion? But that makes a lot of sense to me. We got to get the funding. It's insane. You know, we spend all this tax money. We doubled, they doubled it. We spend all this tax money on public schools that we don't even benefit from. And then we have to spend... Uh, all this money on tuition as well, so we need tax dollars back. All right, let's get to the polls here. Stunning new polls. Poll number one, in a head-to-head matchup between Trump and Biden, Trump is the clear winner, and this is Electoral College. You're not looking at the popular vote. Look at the Electoral College, where in an Electoral College uh, matchup, President Trump would defeat Biden. DeSantis would lose to Biden in the same matchup, Electoral College. The survey was conducted by Stack Data Strategy, published by Politico. Trump would win an Electoral College matchup, which is what would happen, obviously. That is the actual, you know, uh, uh, that's a model for the presidential race. If it were held today, Trump would beat Biden 292 electoral votes to 246. DeSantis versus Biden. Biden would beat DeSantis 359 to, to, to 179. So that's pretty interesting. And Trump would win four key swing states that Biden won in 2020, that Trump won in 2016. And those are Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So I find that pretty interesting. You know, Trump won them in 2016. The polls show Trump would win them again in 2024. We wonder what happened in 2020. Makes you think maybe election fraud. Can, you know, can we go there? The poll found that Biden is beating Trump in Michigan by a tiny sliver of a margin, 0.7%, and in Nevada, 1.4%. They surveyed 15,200 registered voters. So very interesting poll there. Another stunning poll. Uh, if the election were held today, not only would Trump defeat Biden, this is, I, get, I think, in the popular vote, not only would Trump defeat Biden, but he would also defeat four other Democrats who are now being floated to replace Biden um, if Biden decides to drop out. This is a Fox News poll. It shows Trump leading Biden among registered voters, 50 percent to 46 percent. Same poll shows Trump beating Kamala Harris, 50 to 45 percent, beating Gavin Newsom, who scares me the most, by the way, 49 to 45 percent, and beating Gretchen, Gretchen Whitmer, uh, governor of Michigan, 48 to 46 percent, and beating Joe Manchin, 47 to 46 percent. Fascinating. The Fox poll also, also shows Trump has a 49-point lead in the national Republican primary, 62 percent uh, support for Trump in national primary numbers versus 13 percent for second-place Ron DeSantis. Nikki Haley, the only other GOP candidate to crack double digits, has 10 percent. Pretty fascinating. Meanwhile, in Florida, Trump is actually beating DeSantis's home state of Florida, and Trump is beating DeSantis 
by 39 points. This is a shocker. I mean, even this, even I was stunned. Trump, well, I'm in the tank for Trump. I'm, I'm reading you poll numbers. I see these polls. If you show me a poll with DeSantis beating Trump or with anybody beating Trump in any, in any poll, I will gladly read it, bring it to my attention. Trump um, has 60% support amongst registered Republicans. This is a poll from the University of North Florida. DeSantis has 21%. Shocking, shocking numbers. Nikki Haley comes in third with 6%. Chris Christie, 2%. By the way, Nikki Haley is becoming the favorite to win second place. Nikki Haley is starting to surge, which is interesting. And a lot of people think that she's a much stronger candidate than somebody like Ron DeSantis. And we know Mike Pence is out. So, And Tim Scott is out, by the way. Tim Scott has dropped out. Uh, it seems like, I, you know, I'm not surprised by that at all, but it seems some of his staffers were shocked. I don't know what, what exactly did they not read the papers? Like what exactly shocked the staffers were like just totally caught off guard. They were just like shell shocked. They, Tim Scott sh- dropped out and we weren't seeing this coming. Had you not seen this coming? But, and I, look, I liked it. Tim Scott would be a great president if you ask me. But, um, so you got Trump, Haley, and I guess Chris Christie are really the, and DeSantis, obviously, are the only four left. You know, Christie, that, that candidacy is a joke, Chris Christie. I don't, I don't even know exactly what his game plan is. Maybe, I feel like he wants to get appointed for something by the Biden administration or by whichever Democrat runs because, you know, he's becoming sort of an outcast in the Republican Party. But, um, so it's basically Nikki Haley, DeSantis, and Trump. And Nikki Haley is really, really overtaking DeSantis, which is pretty fascinating. She's making her move. Meanwhile, uh, a new Marquette Law School poll uh, shows Biden is trailing the top three candidates, those being the aforementioned Haley, Trump, and DeSantis. Nikki Haley is leading Biden 55 to 45 percent among registered voters. Trump is winning 52 to 48 percent. DeSantis, 51 to 49 percent. And among likely voters, that was registered voters, among likely voters, Haley actually has a 12-point lead, 56 to 44 percent. All right, the BBC the disgraceful BBC, they should be called, not the British Broadcasting Corporation, they should be called the bigoted Broadcasting Corporation. They're so viciously anti-Semitic. They made an egregious mistake. They're calling it a mistake. It's not a mistake. We know the truth. They've apologized. An anchor on Wednesday, news anchor, on a live broadcast, said that Israel's siege of a Gaza hospital, the Al-Shifa hospital, targeted medical staff and Arabic speakers. That's literally what the reporter said. The reporter said that Israel's, the IDF, was targeting in this uh, attack on a Gaza hospital, targeting medical staff and Arabic speakers, targeting, targeting medical staff. Uh, the network later said it misquoted a Reuters report. The, the Reuters report uh, cited an IDF spokesman saying the exact opposite. It said our medical teams and Arabic speaking soldiers are on the ground to ensure that the supplies reach those people in need. So the IDF said our medical teams and Arabic speakers are helping the news anchor flipped it around and said the Israeli military was targeting people, including medical teams, as well as Arabic speakers in Al-Shifa Hospital. Another anchor read an on-air apology later on, and the BBC issued a correction on its website. Quote, what we should have said is that IDF forces included medical staff and Arabic speakers. We apologize for this error, which fell below our usual editorial standards. So it's amazing, right? These mistakes, they never, ever, they're always negative against Israel. These mis- these mistakes, mistakes, somehow always depict Israel in a negative light, vicious, vicious. I mean, the, the, it's it's a, it's an egregious, just just a despicable uh, mistake here, where they're literally saying that Israel is targeting medical workers. Like, and these mistakes never happen in the other direction, right? They never they never favor Israel, but we know why. And then they're talking about the usual editorial standards. A lot of people made fun of that. Um, all right, very quickly over here. Hunter Biden is going to be uh, testifying, James Comer says, by December 4th. James Comer, 
the uh, chairman of the House Oversight Committee, who's been investigating the Hunter Biden scandal. He has subpoenaed Hunter Biden, and he says that he will testify before December 4th. That's just a couple of weeks, and that's pretty exciting. He says he hasn't heard they subpoenaed Hunter, hasn't heard yet from his attorney, but we know they received the subpoena because days later, the Hunter Biden team subpoenaed Donald Trump, President Trump, in the Hunter Biden federal gun case. So we know that he says they're always going to blame it on Trump. He says that uh, the money that they took from China and Romania, they're blaming Trump for that. Meanwhile, Biden met with President Xi at the APEC summit at the now uh, uh, clean uh, San Francisco, which has been cleaned up of homeless people. All that happened is Biden gave President Xi legitimacy, got nothing in return. China promised to crack down on fentanyl, trying to pledge, and they promised. And they did this with Trump, too, and it was a joke, and it got us nowhere. Obviously, the fentanyl crisis is worse than ever, but China agreed to crack down. They always do that. China agrees. They agree no more pollution. They agree they're going to help the climate. Which, uh, which all that ends up doing is hurting America because China doesn't stick to it and they, uh, you know, they, 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 they hurt the climate and do things, manufacture things much cheaper. In the United States, it costs much more money because of all the fossil fuel regulations and everything else. So America sticks to its pledges. China does not, just like the climate accord, the Paris climate accord that Trump got out of. And I guess Biden got back into. Uh, China's been playing dangerous war games in the Pacific, so Biden's been trying to kind of threaten Xi about that, saying uh, our militaries need to work together. But China, all they're doing is building up a huge military presence. They keep threatening U.S. troops with Taiwan and everything else. Uh, and finally, so, you know, China's just laughing all the way to the bank, President Xi. Trump, Biden gives Xi legitimate, legitimacy. Xi makes all these empty promises, and all he's doing there, hacking into our systems in the United States, hacking into our, they're spying on us. Hacking into, they're stealing our technology, hacking into, uh, you know, top secret classified government agency emails, proliferating fentanyl, spreading fentanyl throughout the country, throughout the United States, doing nothing about it. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable, China running rings around us. And uh, finally, Chuck Schumer, we told you that he voted down the bill to fund Israel. Get this, Schumer's excuse is that... It would add to the budget deficit. You gotta love this. The CBO estimates that it would add to the budget deficit because I guess, uh, you know, the, the IRS, they're saying that if we take away IRS funding, they're not gonna have as many IRS employees to audit people. So that's gonna, uh, somehow add to the deficit. It would cut spending because it would cut 13 billion that's being spent on, on, on IRS funding, send it to Israel instead of 14 billion, but th- th- it would increase the deficit. But here's what's comical is that suddenly Chuck Schumer cares about the deficit. I mean, literally, they're spending over $5 trillion a year. Schumer loves it. He loves all the spending programs. Literally, we're, we're spending $1 trillion in interest payments, and you don't hear a word about Schumer, not a peep. But when it comes to $14 billion for Israel, the day that Schumer's on the stage talking about how much he loves and supports Israel, $14 billion to Israel, that's going to add to the deficit. No, no, we can't add to the deficit. Suddenly, he's worried about the deficit. That's going to do it for today. Busy, busy day. And we will see you next time.